It's Monday evening, March the 30th, 2020. You're listening to another episode of the very eclectic podcast channel, Class with Dr. Fryer. Well, good evening and welcome to another episode in this podcast collection of different classes and workshops that I am teaching basically on the weekends and in the evenings. Uh, This is actually a recording of the lesson portion of our Sunday school class this past Sunday on March the 29th, 2020. We have been and are continuing to study a book by Dr. Richard Swinson. Um, The name of our class is Curiosity and Questions, Jesus and Science, and the book is called More Than Meets the Eye, Fascinating Glimpses of God's Power and Design. So this lesson was the uh, second part, actually, of the study of chapter four, and chapter four of the book focuses on the brain and the senses, and we uh, took a look at a video which talks about prosthetics and other kinds of um, ways in which the brain can actually be you know, utilized to control artificial limbs and things. And uh, we did a see, think, and wonder learning, or sorry, thinking strategy about that. And um, it, I think it went well. So I hope you enjoy this. Um, we are also going, well, we're going to continue to uh, meet virtually, of course, because we're all homebound with the COVID-19 coronavirus shelter-in-place order that has swept the nation uh, here in central Oklahoma. It was actually this past Sunday night that Oklahoma City Mayor um, Mayor Holt gave that, gave that order. And so anyway, we are going to be homebound, but we're going to be recording and sharing. And so we are not recording our joys and concerns portion of our class, but we are recording the lesson portion. So without further ado, it's back to Sunday, March 29th, 2020, online here in central Oklahoma, talking about the brain and faith and the ways in which our faith might be able to direct us uh, as we face different options and possibilities and potentials that are brought about because of science and technology. This conference will now be recorded. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to, I think this is our third virtual Sunday School class. Today is March the 29th, 2020, and our focus Bible verse that we'll be opening up here right after our opening prayer is going to be from Romans 8, Romans 8, uh, 8 through 11, we'll read. And this is our Sunday School class more than, oh, Curiosity and Questions, Jesus and Faith, and we're continuing our study of Dr. Richard Swinson's book, um, More Than Meets the Eye, and we are going to take us an extra Sunday to talk about the brain and the nervous system. We're on chapter four, uh, and you can access these resources if you are watching this after the fact. Um, We've got these archived on the website followjesus.westfriar.com. Today we're wrapping up uh, chapter four, which we did two weeks ago. We actually weren't able to meet last week. And then the plan is to continue, hopefully finishing the chapters of the book. So if you have not 
picked up a copy of the book, you can get a copy electronically or have Amazon uh, deliver it to you. But next week, we're going to be talking about the cell, genes, and DNA. And so we had a lot of discussion about DNA, and uh, we had our first study um, by um, the the individual, the doctor uh, and scientist who led the Human Genome Project. And, and so I think that's going to be pretty interesting. I know I've learned more about viruses and about how, you know, genetically our bodies fight off uh, disease and those kinds of things. So I'm looking forward to that for chapter five. I want to remind everybody that if you're not in our Google Classroom, you can do that and you can uh, message. If you want to message in the chat, I can send you the code. I'm not going to put the code here because that's a private space that we want to just have open for those who have been uh, members of our class at this point, but you can get all the resources on that link that you see below. So uh, we started our, our lesson just a little bit late today, but that is absolutely fine. And I think for our regular schedule, um, normally we start by about 10.05 when we're face-to-face -face, uh, at uh, First Presbyterian Church uh, at uh, 10th and Rankin in Edmond, Oklahoma. Now we're connecting with each other virtually. Uh, so we're going to still try and start generally by 10.05. But if you want to come earlier for fellowship time, pour your coffee and uh, just come. Uh, we won't, as we did today, start any recording until uh, after the fellowship time. And so we'll have that 20-minute window open, uh, and but we'll try to start at 10.05 and then as I said earlier, we'll be stopping the recording for joys and concerns. And I'm totally open to however we also structure this, right? This is new territory for many of us. Uh, even those of us that have done some of this before haven't been doing, you know, Sunday school virtually. Uh, and so I'm excited for this chance for us to be here together. And um, I'm certainly open to any suggestions that, that anybody has. So this is not a picture of the brain. I think this is the same picture I used a couple weeks ago. I think these are anemones that are on the Great Barrier Reef off of Australia, but they look kind of brain-like. So we're talking about the brain, and that's what I what thought I would use for our opening prayer. So let's open up with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you give us this day to come together in fellowship with each other, Lord. Uh, we are experiencing an extremely um, challenging time in many ways, but as we were talking before we started class, there are silver linings to this situation, Lord, and we see your hand and your spirit at work. Um, just as Carol shared about being in contact with neighbors and being able to uh, see the ways that we can serve them, uh, being able to be out in your creation, Lord, the beautiful, beautiful weekend that you've given us, um, the opportunity, I mean, the fact that we're able to be in our homes, Lord, and that we we have electricity and that we have food. Um, help us, Lord, to reach out to those that are in need, especially, Lord, help us to reach out to each other and to those around us, God, that, that need interaction. We all need interaction. And so I pray that in this time, it would be your Holy Spirit that would lead and guide us as we open up your word and your scripture as we continue to study Dr. Swinson's book and think about science and the brain. God, deepen the awe that we have for you. Open our eyes to see how you were at work and embolden us to join you in the work that you are doing uh, at such a time as this when there is so much fear around us. Help us not to have a spirit of fear, but help us to have a spirit of hope. Help us to have a spirit of faith and help us to show your love to each one that we come into contact with or even see at a social distance. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so if you would like to open up your 
Bible, I'm going to read from the New International Version, and this is from the Version Bible app. I didn't actually put the link, I'll have to add it later, uh, but this is from Bible.com, which is the, the Life Church free website and app, which I, which I absolutely love, which can show, you know, multiple versions of the Bible. And so this is from Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 8, and this is going to be starting in verse 8 through verse 11. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And I'd ask uh, if you want to, to put into the chat any thoughts about these verses um, as they apply to us right now. And as we think about inviting God's spirit to animate us and to live inside of us. I actually made a couple Bible verse info picks for verse 9, for Romans 8, 9, and the first one I was thinking about God as the creator of the heavens, and uh, I used a website called Unsplash that has free free photos that photographers have given away for people to do whatever they want with, and so, you know, these are high cirrus clouds on the left, and thinking about God as the God of the heavens, but then I thought, you know, this verse is very personal in terms of the way in which it points to how we invite God's spirit to live inside of us. You know, we understand as Christians that we are not, that the building is not the church today. I mean, yes, it's a church, but the church in the understanding of the New Testament is that each one of us is the temple of God. And each one of us is called to take care of our temple, to uh, use our temple to worship God, um, and and to invite God's Holy Spirit to dwell in our bodies, just as, you know, in ancient times, we understand that God, you know, walked with the Israelites. It was a cloud of, uh, was a pillar of cloud um, and a pillar of fire at night. And and there was a temple built in Jerusalem, you know, for, for God to live in the in the time of Solomon. And um, Shelley's saying she thinks it's time, important in chat. I think it's important for us to take quiet time to connect with the Spirit and listen for the ways that we can connect with Him and with others. Um, absolutely. I think it's also important for us to, um, you know, take a break from media and from news, right? I uh, reflected a week or so ago how turning on the television can sometimes now feel like you've turned a tornado siren on inside your house. And like, that's not a healthy thing to do. Maybe if you need to test a siren, you could like test it every once in a while, like a smoke alarm, right? <clears throat> but having that on constantly has a very um, debilitating effect. It can have a debilitating effect on us. And so I'm not saying we don't, you know, turn on the news and we've got we've to stay informed about what's going on. Um, I guess mandatory, uh, what is it called? Um, uh, something at home when you um, shelter in place <laughs> has happened now for Oklahoma City. Um, and I'm going to guess that this is something that also is going to be happening for 
for other places as well. And so we've got to know, right, what the what the directions from our um, civic leaders, our, our mayor, our governor, um, but at the same time, you know, I, we are called to not live in the world and be of the world. And I think one of the ways we manifest this is by not allowing the fear of the world to possess our mind and to, you know, be our, our focus uh, exclusively. So uh, what I'd like to do now is I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording. I'm going to actually stop sharing my screen. Uh, let's do a little joys and concerns time, and then I will start a recording again after we uh, finish that time. How do this you chat? This conference will now be recorded. So a reminder to about how to chat. There's a little pop-up window that you'll see. The one that has icons of people uh, that says 12 by it uh, shows us everybody okay. who's in the call. But next to it, there is a little icon that looks like a speech bubble. And so if you click on or tap on that speech bubble, um, it looks a little bit different on a phone or an iPad, but there should be an icon there that, that has the speech bubble. Um, and you're also, it's kind of fancy if you want to, but you're also welcome to connect on more than one device. So if like, I know some are showing this up on the screen, you know, you can do that from a phone or an iPad. Uh, and then sometimes it's a little easier as far as chatting to do that on the keyboard. So invitation to do that as we as we go along. So we want to remind everybody that our live worship service starts at 11.15. So uh, we are going to uh, do our best to be respectful of everyone's time, give us a break, which we need, uh, and finish by the top of the hour. But uh, I learned, I guess, last week that not only can you get to our church's live uh, worship services through the app that you can download for iPhone or Android, but you can also just go to the webpage, fbcedmond.org slash media. And so when the, the live broadcast is on, you can actually just see it on the webpage there too. So um, that is a great reminder. And our early service is on as well, which I think starts at nine. Somebody can help me in chat if that is a different time. But um, yes, and Greg is reminding too, via Facebook. So if you want to I'll go to our church's Facebook page. So there's multiple ways to be able to connect. And that is a, a good reminder. I included this link, yes, or two weeks ago, I guess, um, about virtual meetings. And I really think <clears throat> being in this kind of an interactive environment is is an, is excellent. Um, Denise is confirming, yes, 9 a.m. is the time for the early service. And so those services obviously are a broadcast. And so we don't have the same opportunity like we've had this morning to be able to interact with each other, to see each other, and to be able to pray with each other. And uh, I think this is a, this is important. There's going to be a lot of of new learning opportunities. I was talking to my mother about this um, because she's involved in PEO and other kinds of groups. And you know, as this goes on longer, th there's probably going to be other people. Um, Barry mentioned getting together with a fellowship group via Zoom. There, there are different kinds of conference tools. And so I want to encourage you, if, if you would like to get together with a group and you're not sure what to do, I'd be glad to, to get with you later and talk about, you know, using Zoom, uh, which actually Zoom is free for like up to 40 minutes. Um, GoToMeeting is something that I have access to. And so that's the platform I'm using. But I will continue to send out our emails. Uh, you'll get these invitations if you're a member of our class via email. And then I will also be sharing the recordings of these that don't have any joys or concerns or the fellowship time that we had at the beginning. And I will be uh, sharing those on our website, followjesus.westfriar.com. And then uh, those are on YouTube. So we'll make those available for others. Um, I want to remind you that if you're interested in getting some, some Bible verse info picks, I've 
been doing this for a couple years now, uh, putting this just on a shared album in um, in Apple Photos. And so uh, you can access them from this shortened link, wfriar.me slash Bible. But if you want to just email me your Apple ID, um, I can invite you to these. And I don't do these every day, but I usually do a few a week. And this is one that I just did recently that I think is is very appropriate from John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I've shared this slide the last couple of Sundays as well, uh, but this is, you know, all of these are verses uh, about, you know, what does the Bible say about fear and anxiety? And I've been kind of going down these verses and, and uh, looking up and reading and meditating on a different one um, as I have some quiet time during the week. And, and I think that's a good list to, uh, to uh, pull from or to, to utilize. So uh, a question I want us to think about today as we watch a video and get to reflect on a little bit is, is this. Uh, we're talking about faith and science and the intersection between those things in this class. How should our Christian faith guide us as we face the choices that are presented by technology and science? We're going to review a couple of excerpts from uh, Dr. Swinson's chapter four book on the brain, and then watch a little short, I think it's five minute video uh, talking about some of these things. And there's, you know, there's amazing things, there's great things, and then there's stuff that's dark. Um, there's things that, you know, we be like, okay, should we really be doing that? Or what's the, what's the line? Should there be a line? And I think that probably most medical professionals, regardless of their, um, of their, you know, religious background or, or situation, recognize that, that there should be limits to what we do with technology and science and that we need to be guided by, uh, by ethics and by uh, a framework of morality. And so I just want to challenge us to kind of think about these questions as we consider, you know, prosthetics, augmentation, we have so much more insight into the brain, but yet it's still in many ways kind of an enigma um, even with a very basic idea of the, the mind and body problem, right? The, we know there's chemicals and there's neurotransmitters and there's all these, these things that we have words for, but, you know, it's still an incredibly divine mystery, you know, where memory resides, how memories become biological, you know, and then how the spirit of God and prayer and all these things work. Um, and then our ability, I mean, to take medications and to make changes and to do things. So that's kind of kind of our big question. I want to remind everybody that there's a playlist out there. It's a long link, so I'd, you won't want to type it in. Uh, but you can get to that from our media page on our website. And I just called that playlist Faith and Science. And so the videos that we have watched in the past, as well as the new ones and generally, for each Sunday, as I'm kind of getting ready, there'll be more than I, you know, have time. We have time to, to see during class. And so that is, it's kind of cool because you can go to that playlist and they can access, you know, any and all of those. And so um, the one that I am going to share today uh, actually is one that, that touches on our theme of the brain. So before I share that and we and we talk about it a little bit, a couple of quotations from chapter four from Dr. Swenson. Again, this is a 2000 uh, publication book, More Than Meets the Eye, Fascinating Glimpses of God's Power and Design. And we've learned a lot in the last two decades about the brain. And some of the things that he was talking about in 2000 about being possible, you know, are, are being done in, in more dramatic and, and more spectacular ways. 
And so uh, this is one of the quotations from the book. He says, it has now been demonstrated that ALS patients with electrodes on their scalp can control a computer screen by manipulating brain waves called slow cortical potentials. Using a thought translation device, these patients can amplify and dampen their brain waves in a way that allows them to select letters on a video screen and spell out the messages. For the first time, says one of the researchers, we have shown that it is possible to communicate with nothing but one's own brain and to escape, at least verbally, the locked-in state of ALS. And then I think I, I may have actually shared this uh, slide and then the following one last time, but we kind of did it fast. This is where Swinson, who of course is a Christian and a follower of Jesus, is referencing you know, some of these theological implications of what we're understanding about the brain and these connections. And he writes, what theological implications might this have? I occasionally wonder how God reads thoughts. I'm sure most believing Christians have never concerned themselves with such a question, but instead simply accept by faith that a sovereign God can do anything he wants, including getting inside our brains and easily reading our minds. You perceive my thoughts from afar, wrote David in a much loved Psalm. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Most of our prayer life, specifically silent prayer, functions precisely along the lines of such orthodoxy, and I'm not sure that we need to do anything more theologically than to leave it right there. Well, I would like to take it a little bit further today uh, and show you this six-minute video. Uh, this is uh, from September of 2019, and it's called, Can You Control a Computer with Your Mind? So 20 years ago, or whatever, maybe more, when Dr. Swinson wrote that, he was talking about, you know, controlling things with your mind. And this has come a long way. And there's, again, some real exciting aspects of this. The, the little square code that looks like a computer code is a computer code. And so remember that you can point an iPhone or an iPad. If you just open up the camera app and point it at that, um, that is going to go right to this YouTube video. Um, but if as we start this, if you'll tell me in chat, I am 95% sure that this is going to work to have you hear the audio, but we're going to go ahead and uh, look at this and then we'll get a chance for folks to reflect on, on this. And so I'll actually quit my uh, screencast or my, my screen sharing um, after we see this. And then if, if you do want to turn your webcam on, you're welcome to. Uh, remember, it will be part of the recording, uh, but you can put comments into the chat, reflections that I can give voice to. And uh, if you're willing, um, you can also speak up. So let's take a look at this video together. Other than a very vocal minority, most people agree that a mouse and keyboard is the superior way to play games. But what if you're unable to use a mouse and keyboard? Well, there are many accessibility-focused products out there, like Microsoft's Adaptive Controller, but what if you're unable to use even those? Well, you could always just control the computer using your mind. But hold your horses, X-Men fans. No one's going full Professor X anytime soon. But the future is looking bright, and we have BCIs, or brain-computer interfaces, to thank. And of course, yes, our body is sort of already a brain-to-computer interface, but the problem is that our fleshy meat bags can be somewhat unreliable. If someone doesn't have full control of their arms or legs, using a computer can be very difficult, more so if you also have difficulty speaking. So that's why the work that scientists are doing on building hardware to allow people with physical impairments to control computer devices with their minds is so important. But how on earth does that work? Well, here's the thing. 
the human brain already communicates with the body via nerve impulses, which are electrical impulses that travel all throughout your body so that your hands can crack open a can of Mountain Dew to quench your thirst during a late night frag sesh or whatever else it is that you do in your spare time. These electrical impulses can be measured by numerous different types of specialized technology, but the most common due to its low cost and ease of use is electroencephalography or EEG. Now EEG uses multiple tiny electrodes placed on your scalp to measure the small amount of voltage that your neurons output. These readings are unique to the parts of your brain that are activated during a given task. So let's say that you're speaking. That uses different parts of the brain than visualizing an image or moving a body part or reading. These thoughts and actions have unique activity signatures that can be identified by the EEG. So with a little bit of help from our good friend, machine learning, we can train a computer to recognize a particular signature and then have it correspond to a specific function on a device. A great example of this was an early BCI called the P300 Speller, which allowed patients to type messages using their minds so they could better communicate with others. It worked by flashing the rows and columns of a matrix of letters while the user focused on the letter they wanted to type. When the letter the user wanted to type flashed, a unique pattern of brain activity called the P300, hence the name, occurred, which would then be detected by the EEG, prompting the computer to type the letter. Nowadays, those very same concepts are being used to do things as complex as flying drones or controlling prosthetic limbs. But the really exciting stuff is yet to come. I mean, imagine being able to access information on the internet with just a thought. No more shouting, hey, G-O-O-G-L-E, only to have your phone or your Google Home ignore you. Instead, the information could be at your brain tips instead of your fingertips. Or imagine being able to write out your thoughts exactly the way that you envision them on the page, or even create images from ideas that you have in your head without ever needing to draw them. The possibilities are limited only by your imagination. Tech entrepreneur extraordinaire Elon Musk has even taken notice of BCIs and has founded a company called Neuralink with the goal of augmenting human intelligence with machines so that humans don't become completely obsolete in the face of the artificial intelligence future. Wow, Mr. Musk, um, that sounds great. He wants to use a technology called neural lace that would actually wrap around the brain and allow it to send and receive data from a computer. Now, obviously, something like that is a long way from hitting the mass market, but it may not also be as far away as you might think. There are already commercial products on the market that you, yes you, can purchase. Companies like NeuroSky have released some relatively cheap BCI products that you can use to manipulate apps on your phone or your tablet. And they also manufactured a popular Star Wars force trainer toy that allows you to be able to approximate using the force without any pesky midichlorians. There's also the Emotive Epoch, a more prosumer grade option that can track your brain with even more finesse. And that one's been used in the drone races that we mentioned earlier. There's finally a mind-controllable VR game in development right now being created by the company Neurable, and it actually uses the P300 signature just like the old spelling machine. Oh, P300s, they grow up so fast. So while brain-computer interface technology is still in its infancy, this could be the next massive paradigm shift in how we interact with technology and each other. Or with that said, it could also just be another hyped-up disappointment like Fallout 76.
Speaking of disappointment, if you're disappointed at your own math, science, and computer skills. Okay, so I'm gonna stop and not show the ad. Um, but what I'd like to do, down here, yes, I've updated it, uh, is we're gonna do a little uh, see, think, and wonder. Um, our big question, thinking about how should our Christian faith guide us as we face the choices presented by technology and science. Uh, and so we're gonna do the same kind of learning activity that we have talked about before, uh, see, think, and wonder. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and be typing as we go along here, but I think I'm gonna actually stop my screen share uh, just to give us a chance to, to interact with this. If you want to scan this and actually, here, let me do this, this will be fancy. Um, I'm going to copy the link to this Google document that I have made, and I have set this so that anybody who wants to can actually edit this. I'm gonna drop this into our chat, okay? And by the way, you don't have to do anything technical here if you don't want to. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, be writing these things up as we go. Um, so I'm gonna actually stop my screen share. Uh, but as we, we just saw that video, uh, let's, let's think about what, we're, what we saw and then what we can think about and what we wondered. So what are some of the things, and you can either type it in chat or if you wanna say it out loud, what are some of the things that we just saw in that video that was six minutes? So, Shelly, what were some things you saw? Always get to be the guinea pig. Um, I saw a lot of technology. Um, I saw a lot of um, scientists working. Okay, I put lots of technology connected to people's bodies and sometimes we call that biotech because it's tech connected to biology. So scientists working. Okay, what else? Somebody put into the chat, overwhelming. I mean, it is, if you think about the advance of all this, I mean, the speed of this and how quickly this stuff is, is happening. Um, I saw prosthetics and that was something when uh, I taught STEM at Independence Elementary in Yukon. Got to do that for two years. Uh, one of the kids' favorite projects was designing a prosthetic hand. And we were not using fancy materials. We were using string and pipe cleaners and cardboard and, um, you know, all different. We weren't even 3D printing. This was, you know, somewhat primitive, but like figuring out how a hand articulates and thinking about the biology of that and, and how would you make something where you could, you know, grasp and pick something up. In fact, I think that was our challenge was to try to, to make a prosthetic that would be able to grasp and pick something up. Um, what else are some things that you all saw in that? I saw some cool, um, like just entertainment applications. Like I really want one of those things where you can practice the, the force in your classroom. I think um, those kind of curiosity type things um, are gonna be wonderful for students um, because it's our students of now who will be working with these applications later mm -hmm. i think i guess that's a think i think that um the more we can expose our children our students to some of these um new inventions i mean they're going to be using these in their lifetime i also think it's going to be important that um that we expose our students to conversations about eth ethics you know what's going to be ethical use 
So mm -hmm. I do think that that's going to be a really important piece of this as these inventions go forward. I'm going to put that down as, as a wonder. Uh, what about ethical use? You know, whenever we talk about someone who has a disability or who has some kind of a limitation and then technology uh, makes that possible for them to, you know, transcend and overcome it. I think I've told the story of Shelly's sister who has uh, a significant impairment with her vision. But when she got her first ebook reader, you know, she was able to make the text large enough that she could read again. I mean, that was huge. Incredible. It was huge. It was huge. And so I don't, you know, we don't have really disagreement or, or like, oh, wait a minute, is that right or wrong? When it comes to like the person who's the, the amputee who now has, um, you know, a, a leg or, or a leg extension so that they can walk and even run or, you know, somebody who has visual impairment and now they're able to to see or you know, have you seen the videos of the, the little kids that get the cochlear implant and they, they maybe we should show one of those later and in, in we did the ears, I guess, listening. But I mean, that those videos where they're hearing their mom's voice for the first time, you would talk about powerful. I mean, it just, it's amazing. But then there's also gonna be some kind of a line. So that's something that makes me wonder. What else do you all think was going on in this video? Or um, Greg has one. And then David said in the chat, he wondered what um, Stephen Hawking used or if he used eye motion or speech interface for what he did, right. but then also Greg has something to say. Go ahead, Greg. I want to pull on a thread that we talked about in the uh, in the beginning out of the, uh, where we, Dr. Swenson talked about God reading our thoughts. Um, God knows what's on our mind, but the rest of the world may not because we apply filters and we don't always say what we think. If this technology were to be applied, you know, mass applied, how do, it could, it could really change the world if we, uh, if everything that was on our brain was suddenly transmitted out to the world. And we see some scary sides of that now with surveillance technology. I mean, what's, hap what's been happening and continues to happen in China with the social credit score, with the ways in which people's lives are far more documented and you know, able to be scrutinized by authorities and by security forces, um, every web search. I mean, we're, you may not know this, but, you know, web searches and things like that that we do um, that are just done in the open uh, are, they're, just as you don't want, and this happened where a kid, as a joke years ago, you know, sent an email to the White House um, making a threat against the president's life. Well, the, the uh, Secret Service takes that seriously. They don't consider any of that to be a joke, just like Homeland Security doesn't consider, you know, joking about a bomb or an explosive when you're trying to, you know, get on an airplane to be a joke. Um, we have a level of scrutiny, but there's a lot of that, you know, in China. And yeah, if you think about, you know, every, met, think about meta information for phone calls. There's been discussion about that. Well, that's not big of a deal. Well, I mean, that, that really reveals quite a bit about you as far as who you're calling and what you're doing, but it's not to the level of your brain. So yeah, that suggests some moral and ethical challenges. And it also brings up just the idea of privacy. I'll put that in, you know, privacy. What should our right to privacy be? Uh, and, and how much should I be able to to lead a private life that's not open to be scrutinized by everybody. 
Barry saying, yes, something should remain totally private. Agreed. Anybody else have a thought about what we're wondering or what, what we're thinking about in this regard? Well, I was just wondering, this is kind of random, but you know, we have this separation between church and state, um, which I think was necessary for the time, but also, you know, what is it going to be the separation between private and state, you know? Um, but then sometimes protecting some people's privacy just encourages other horrible things to happen. So um, I think we want our privacy to be protected. But on the other hand, sometimes protecting some people's privacy allows other horrific things. So I don't well, know how to. You know, Spider-Man has this quote about, and it's not just from from the Spider-Man, but like, um, with great power comes great responsibility. Right now with COVID-19, uh, different countries, in fact, Israel was one, who they were wanting to gain greater access into people's phone records and internet, internet data uh, to be able to track the spread of COVID-19. And, you know, the more data that authorities and groups and individuals have about us, the more important it is that it's used in ethical ways. And so I think that one way that the ethics, you know, kind of comes into here is, you know, how are those people who have access to, to this data and this information, you know, using those things and are they being used in, in ways that are protecting us and protecting uh, our, our, uh, our communities, our country, us as individuals, um, and also, but also, are, are they doing that? Are they taking the necessary steps to protect them from hackers and, and folks who would use it maliciously, right? Because that's, I have not done a DNA test yet. My sister has, and I think I should share with you all the story that she met her birth mother uh, like a year ago and has, has had different interactions, not only with her, but with her siblings, you know, and none of that would have happened, you know, without this DNA test. But once information has been digitized and it's in a computer somewhere, it's it's basically impossible to maintain control over that. And so different people can use that information and do different things with it. Carol, are you willing to share with audio or what you put in the comment or you want me to, I can give voice to that. Um, you can just say, I. you can share Go it. Go ahead, go ahead, okay. give voice to it. Yeah, Carol's saying that, you know, if you want to, if if you want to know that much about me, uh, yeah, let me tell you about our God. <laughs> Plant the tidbits of of uh, you know our faith, or share share the seeds of faith, you know, as people are seeking things. And I totally agree with that. I think that we we need to be not only, of course, most importantly, through our actions and our deeds, walking the walk and showing others that you know we're 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 striving to follow Jesus and we're striving to uh, live out His commandments in our lives, even though we're not gonna do that perfectly, we're still sinners and we're gonna mess up. Uh, but I think speaking those words is important too, because God is working on people's hearts, right? God is at work all around us. And we've talked and reminded ourselves in the past that, you know, we don't get the credit when somebody comes to the Lord and when someone, you know, is having a, a God moment, a God experience, you know, God is the one who's doing that. And so what we're praying for is that we'll be used by God. But as we share, as we, you know, express the reason for our hope, all of those kinds of things, you know, that can be perhaps an invitation for people to ask more and to have a conversation, right? To have conversations about those kind of things. Okay, 
somebody, my wife said, are you watching the time? Yes, it is time. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. I think, I don't think I've got that any more slides, but let me just go back here to the screen share. Thank you for everybody for chiming in and we will just wrap up so that we have a break. If I can get back to my slide before, um, before our service begins. So uh, thank you all so much for joining us. I hope this has been a valuable part of your week. Uh, I wanna encourage you to open up Romans 8, 8 through 11, and meditate on those verses in the week to come. Uh, we're going to plan to continue our, our Sunday school. We, we, I think, used the verse last week where I think Paul tells us, you know, don't give up meeting. You've got to keep on meeting. And that's certainly true today as we have this COVID-19 challenge and social distancing and, and everything like that happening. So I'm going to uh, sign off as far as the recording, but we'll, we'll be in here for a little bit more if anybody else would like to share um, before we, we close. And I see a hand being raised, so, and people are waving. So I'm gonna stop the recording.